I can Google, but Mark is a whole lot more articulate than Google is. Uh, and so I'm having Mark on today because we want to talk a little bit about the fact that the Kansas Supreme Court has finally dismissed the Gannon School Finance case. And so um, if I understand, and neither of us are lawyers, Mark, but if I understand this correctly, what this would mean is that if there were any issues with the school finance formula going forward, they would have to start back from square one and start a whole new lawsuit, um, which there aren't any right now. And one hopes that they won't arise, but uh, but it's important to go back and give a little context to just how long this thing has been in place. Good morning, Mark. Well, good morning, Nick. And with that same caveat of not being a, a lawyer, but having followed this issue uh, really in one form or another, my my whole career with KASB, which started in, in 1990, um, it, 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 when you say how long has this been going on, in many ways you really can go back to 1990 because it was a lawsuit that created what is essentially the system we have now of of base state aid of a flat amount of weightings of what i'm sure your listeners at least somewhat understand was put in place then then in the mid-2000s the montoy decision was when the legislature basically created in response to the court a cost study which laid out what it believed would be necessary to provide constitutional funding and implemented that over a four-year period. And at that point, the Supreme Court said, okay, you did what you you said you would do. You phased this in. We're dismissing the case almost immediately. And there were a lot of other factors we could talk about. The legislature began backing away from that. But because the court had dismissed the case, it took a new lawsuit, and that is, that's why Gannon is separate from Montoy, um, where, in effect, everything started over. But for the most part, the issues in Gannon were to say you had kind of set up a system for both equity and adequacy based on evidence. The legislature then failed to fund that. The court ultimately found with the plaintiffs in Gannon, the legislature then did adopt a plan, as, as we all know, to phase it in over an even longer period, ultimately six years. But in this case, the court waited for the whole duration of that to be done. And at this point now with dismissing, yes, as I understand, the critical thing now is up until this point, if the legislature had, say, missed a year of the phase-in, basically said, well, we were supposed to do this this year as part of that that phased-in process, but we're not going to do that, the plaintiffs could immediately go into the court and said, they're not doing what they said they were going to do, they're not doing what you said they needed to do, the court could have acted immediately. Now it would, in effect, take a new case, a new trial, a new body of evidence in order to go forward. Okay. So the, at this point, everything is, at least as best as we can read it, and as best as the court can read it, apparently, in compliance with the latest Gannon decision. Now, that's a separate issue from special education funding, which is a completely separate statute and a completely separate topic that we are not going to touch on today. So I'm putting that on the shelf just for everybody who says, hey, but wait, um, <laughs> um, that'll, that's, a, that's a topic for another day. We're sticking to right. Gannon today. And the point of this is to say that the basic school 
school finance formula, and to call it basic is quite frankly a misnomer. The the complicated set of um, I don't know the Rube the Rube Goldberg thing that we have that is our school finance formula in Kansas uh, was created back in the '90s in response to a lawsuit, and so that's what this all is about, really. That's correct. And over many years, and really, Nick, if you want to go back even further, um, I was alive. I don't know if you were. It was in the early 1970s that the first lawsuit in Kansas went forward, at that time arguing about tax equity. And that's what created the first major statewide system called the School District Equalization Act. And that basically ran school funding from the mid-70s to the early 90s. And then again, at that point, a new series of lawsuits basically said that the legislature was, despite the name of that, was not really providing equal funding for every child across the state, or at least was not providing it with a equal tax effort. In other words, much more burden was required of lower wealth communities and taxpayers. And that's really what put in place the system we have now. I think one of the other developments that it's also important to keep in mind is uh, 30, 40 years ago, most of the emphasis was on what we call equity because of differences in local wealth. Now, an important part of these decisions might be what we call adequacy, which is saying, are we providing enough to meet the diverse needs of Kansas students? And you talk about that complexity, but it's important to understand that complexity, all of that complexity has come about by the legislature responding to new concerns or new cost studies that really are about saying, here's a group of students that traditionally does not you know, maybe struggles, maybe they got special circumstances. And so how do we provide funding which make sure we can meet the needs of those kids? That's where a lot of the complexity comes into play. And as you said, special education is just one example. We have a a formula where a lot of money goes into what are called weightings to recognize issues of poverty, issues of language, issues of size of district, and other factors. So all of this is not unique to Kansas. Every state tends to wrestle with these same issues, and many states have also gone through rounds of school finance lawsuits and responses um, over time. My apologies to a point to Mark for making him go back down memory lane through basically his entire career, but uh, but. That it really has been. It's kind of a retrospective of of your time at the state house, isn't it? The the school funding issues and everything that goes with it. That's right. When I I came, I, I started working for the school board association in 1990, um, and and there and there was a school finance lawsuit working its way through the courts, and ultimately, um, uh, the, my my first year there. Uh, we started knowing we would have to, as an association representing members, figure out how to respond to that. Ultimately, uh, and this is what's kind of so surprising, the judge in that case, Judge uh, Terry Bullock, district court judge, issued an opinion in advance of trial, basically saying, well, before we go to trial, I'm going to tell you what criteria I would use. And I think the legislature realized um, that, that they would lose 
And so without being ordered by the courts, they took a session and essentially rewrote the law. Um, and, and then there was a round of lawsuits basically from people who were what with were one unhappy with the changes that were made. So, yes, it's been uh, there's been those kind of issues happening pretty much the entire of my some 34 uh, years that were there. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that is, I think, helped develop some of the concepts that now most people think are critically important. We want to make sure that, you know, every district can offer a suitable educational program. We want to make sure that all kids have the opportunity to learn. We want to make sure that education is improving throughout the state. Um, those are now pretty widely shared goals as state opportunities. I don't know whether you're going to mention this next, so I will. We may kind of have a chance to do this again looking forward because in adopting the response to Gannon, the legislature also put a sunset on the entire formula, I believe in 2027, which basically says the law will expire unless the the legislature will, in effect, they could keep the same framework, but they're, in effect, going to have to take another look at how the system is working. And so I think school leaders around the state you know, need to kind of be aware of that and be thinking about, you know, it, it's always important to look at what is working well now, what is not working well, how could we improve things, and maybe have a chance to try to be a little proactive about where we go forward in education in the state, we can learn from the past, but the real question is, how do we help make things better going forward? I wasn't sure whether I'd get there, Mark, but thanks for that, because I uh, had a chance following the legislative forum on Saturday to have a uh, briefer than I would have liked it to be, and I think it's a, a two-way street conversation with Sheila Meggers. She is the uh, school finance formula guru for USD 308. I don't know what her actual title is, but that's what I'll call her, is the person that knows the answers (laughs) to all those questions, because each district almost has to have one these days. Um, And so we were talking about that. And um, when you want to write something that is fair, and I use that word very broadly, um, the question then becomes, and it was back in the 90s, sounds like to me, what exactly does fair mean? And that's that's where this Gannon decision, at least for those who've got kids that are two or three years out from being done with school, those kind of things, your high school students are probably going to be okay as far as there's not going to be major changes. But anything middle school and below, um, we don't know what that formula is going to look like. That's right. Fair fair is one of those difficult questions sort of in the eyes of the beholder. We try to find a consensus. You know, another one of those questions that is important in Kansas and many states is how do you balance sort of state obligations and fair to the state with a traditional local control? Because many people in Kansas value the ability to do things a little different uh, for their community, for their schools. And so that's always a tension. There are some states where, where basically the state controls everything. Kansas has always left a lot, of, a lot of local flexibility, but then that kind of runs into the issue in some ways of saying, how do we make sure that every child, because as Judge Bullock said all those years ago, the obligation, the state's obligation is to the individual school child 
to make sure they are getting the education they're entitled to under the Constitution. So that state versus local, that question of what is fair, and then, of course, you know, the other thing that we always point out, if you're changing the formula for funding that, decide, that, that sets how money flows, it tends to be that unless you put in more money, then you're going to have winners and losers. And that creates a whole other set of issues when it comes to making change or phasing something in. And that also keeps on the shelf, because we're out of time, Mark, the federal obligations that have been created and somewhat unfunded or underfunded through IDEA regarding special education, which, again, I said we weren't going to be able to get to today because I knew we'd run out of time just talking about Gannon. Um, But having said all of that, Mark, I guess the thing I would say is what I was told by legislators at that legislative forum that I referenced earlier is they expect there to be nothing done this session to change anything. That's all just going to go on through the system. Um, And then there's a set of elections this fall uh, where folks can make policy choices at the ballot box as to where things go going forward. I think that's right. I think what, and I'm not directly involved anymore, but it it looks like this session is not really going to be about opening up a lot within school funding, but everyone needs to know that's on the horizon.